When I say it's uh, good to see you, I really mean it's good to see you. We were, uh, some of you were joking with me, we were, uh, Craig, our head of uh, security, um, Craig Williams, uh, has a son who's a senior at Baylor, and I have a son who's a freshman there, and so on a dare, we just decided to go up and watch the Baylor-Texas uh, game last night, and uh, that was kind of ugly, but uh, no, it was actually a pretty good game, but uh, uh, not so great if you were, a, not a great ending if you were a Baylor fan, but uh, afterward, uh, we, uh, you know, we walked outside, and it was uh, 28 degrees, and it was raining like crazy, and uh, we had to drive back, and uh, so uh, um, we got out on this bridge, and the first bridge we came across, there was a car laying on its side, and another one uh, in the ditch, and uh, we knew we were in for a long ride home uh, from uh, Waco to Houston, and uh, it's, you know, it, it, it dropped all the way to Riesel. The, the temperature dropped all the way to Riesel, and then somewhere around College Station, it got up to about 31, and when we got to Hempstead, it turned 32, so we were wide awake uh, the whole way, but it's, uh, so when I say I'm glad to see you, I really mean I'm, I'm glad to, I'm glad to be anywhere this morning, glad to see you. Um, does anybody know, I'm just curious, uh, when, when Easter is this year? Anybody just without looking at a calendar today can say it is on, anybody? I, I asked that because Randy Kilpatrick and I were talking about this uh, early this week and he said he wants to lead a movement to permanentize um, and set a standardized date for Easter. You know, like Christmas, you always know it's on December 25th. Um, anybody, um, you know, know the date of, of Easter without looking at the calendar? I, I can honestly say I don't know. I meant to look it up uh, before this morning. But uh, Job asked the question years ago. He said, if a man die, will he live again? This is why the date of Easter is important. If a man die, will he live again? Uh, estate planners say that people say it just that way. Even the most elderly will say... If I die, they won't say when I die, but if I die, um, one prominent actor revealed his plans for the epitaph on his tombstone. He said, I'm going to put on it. I knew this was going to happen. Um, and he's right. We know we know it will. Another guy said, I'm going to put on mine. Uh, I told you I was sick, you know, because his family never believed him when he said he was sick. But on a tombstone in another cemetery were inscribed these words. Remember, friend, as you pass by, as you are now. So once was I. As I am now, soon you may be. Prepare for death and follow me. And somebody wrote a little note there beside the tombstone that said, To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. I mean, you won't just go after anybody <laughs> into the cemetery. Jesus' call to discipleship from the very beginning we have seen was a call to follow him. That's the first words, you know, that Peter understood from Jesus were, Come after me and follow me. And he left everything to do that. But when Jesus was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's new grave, only the women were there on that first morning. Now, this isn't a good report for us as men, but until Mary Magdalene found the empty tomb and ran to get the other disciples, no males were present. And you're not surprised to discover that uh, Peter was among the first to get there and actually the first to walk into the empty tomb. So I want us to think together this morning from the Gospel of John about the rock that moved, uh, what I call a resurrection recall. John chapter 20, verses 1 to 9, and then I'm going to pick up some very interesting verses in, in chapter uh, 21. Let's stand together as we read this morning. John 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the, the stone had been taken away from the tomb. 
So she ran and went to, to Simon Peter and the other disciple and the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to, to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. And in chapter 21, verse 15, after Jesus appears to the whole group in verses 19 and, and 20, uh, and then to Thomas um, in verse 24. But in chapter 21, verse 15, it says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk whenever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. You may be seated. Nobody needed Easter. Nobody needed resurrection more than Peter. In fact, if you read his story as we've been reading it, what you discover in Luke chapter 22, verse 62, is that uh, Peter, when he realized uh, that Christ was to be crucified, went out and wept bitterly because uh, he had promised Jesus so much and then he had denied Jesus three times. And, and the worst part about it was the last time he denied Jesus, as Luke describes it, he, he looks up and Jesus is being led down the staircase and he realizes Jesus has heard every word that he has said, every foul fisherman's oath, everything he has said to deny Jesus. And in the moment when he could have stood strong, Peter broke his promise and denied Christ. And uh, the interesting thing is, something happens. If you stop with Luke, and then the story resumes in Acts, uh, if you just, Luke and Acts go together, by the way, we believe Luke wrote both. And if you just read Luke-Acts together, what you discover is something happened between uh, this moment of denial and in Acts chapter 2, where you see Peter stand up and preach this incredible, powerful sermon at Pentecost, and he preaches, and, and thousands of people are saved, and you go, wow, I mean, something happened in between. And John tells us what it was. And not just that he ran to an empty tomb, but that there was a moment after his silence when Jesus came to him um, on the seashore and was... Uh, cooking breakfast, and Peter, impulsive as always, dove into the water and swam to shore. But still, he was quiet. He was silent as a stone until the day when they um, were fishing, and Jesus said to him, Do you love me? Three times. And he answers Jesus, and Jesus says, Not only feed my sheep, but follow me. Nobody needed Easter more than Peter, unless it's us. I mean, How do you approach um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Some see it as a 
a rite for the righteous or uh, some dread Easter, perhaps because it reminds of, of guilt and promises made. Um, for others, it may remind us of some secret sin. But I want to I encourage us this morning with the truth of the resurrection, that, that Easter is really for us. For all of us who failed, uh, the resurrection is the best news of all. Because if Christ rose from the dead, then our hopes can also rise. Then we, like Peter, can be transformed. Then we, who in one moment have made a mistake, can be empowered by God to stand strong and be used by God powerfully. Uh, we can be forgiven and we can be restored. And I love about um, this season as we enter into preparation for uh, the, the celebration of the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. That resurrection resolves our doubt. It um, resolves our grief. It removes our guilt and it restores us to service. So for all the frustrated and fearful failures of the world, the fact of the resurrection calls forth our faith leading to the freedom of forgiveness. The resurrection of Christ first resolves our doubts Sometimes it seems like the whole world is from Missouri. You know, Missouri is known as the show me state. And I, I grew up there in part. Uh, I lived there for a while. My dad is from there. And uh, if he's a, an example, he is uh, one of the, the true uh, skeptics that I've ever known. He, he uh, wants to be shown. He doesn't believe anything without uh, great detail. Um, the Greek-speaking world did not even believe that somebody could rise from the dead. You see that in the story of Thomas, for instance, in verses 24 to 31 of chapter 20. Um, where Thomas just can't in his mind believe that Jesus has been raised. Unless I, I touch the nail prints in his hands, he says, I will never believe that Jesus rose. And Simon and John, I'm sure, had their doubts too. But when they hear from Mary Magdalene that Jesus is risen, they at least run to the tomb. Um, Thomas isn't even there at that point, but they run to the tomb and they, they get there. And it's a kind of interesting scene because it's the kind of detail that would only be told if it, if it actually happened. Uh, that John outran Peter, actually, and that when um, John got there, he didn't just barge in uh, to the empty tomb, but, but uh, that Simon Peter, who runs a little slower when he gets there, just marches right on in. And in verse 9, it says, they didn't understand that the Christ literally must rise from the dead, that this had to happen. And I was thinking uh, as we were passing through uh, Falls County yesterday afternoon, I was talking with Craig as we were going up there, and um, he said, well, what's, I told him I used to pastor a church there, and he said, what's it like? And I said, Falls County is one of, is one of the most interesting little um, uh, counties in the state of Texas. It's not, it's not the wealthiest county, um, and uh, it's a county with, um, you know, lo lots of issues. But I remember a friend of mine there. In fact, I went back for a funeral recently, and I saw him. His name is, is uh, Kenneth Bell, and um, he still doesn't believe that man ever landed on the moon. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making that up. I mean, he will argue you into the ground that that was all a big conspiracy of the media and they had some cameras somewhere in some desert somewhere. Um, you know, he just doesn't believe it. And it's just amazing to me that, you know, people believe all kinds of goofy things, like 10% of people believe that Elvis Presley's still alive and 30% believe in reincarnation and 39% in ghosts and 53% believe that aliens have visited the earth in the past 100 years. But my friend Kenneth Bell can't believe we landed on the moon. And I remember the story of an atheist who spent a quiet day fishing on a lake in Scotland when suddenly his boat was attacked by the Loch Ness Monster. And in one easy flip, the beast tossed him and his boat high into the air. And then it opened its mouth to devour both the fisherman and the boat. And as the man sailed head over heels, he cried out, Oh my God, help me. And at once, the ferocious attack scene just froze in place. And he was suspended there in the air. And uh, this voice from heaven said, I thought you didn't believe in me. And... Uh, the Lord said, and he said to the Lord, come on, God, give me a break. Two minutes ago, I didn't believe in the Loch Ness Monster either, but now I believe. 
Well, some of us believe in God like we believe in UFOs and Elvis. Some we believe, but we don't ever expect to run into him. So Peter walks into this tomb and encounters the reality that Jesus is gone. And I just want us um, to see something. I remember years ago in 2000, I went to uh, Israel and I walked into an empty tomb. And it was for me one of the most profound experiences of my life. Um, and I, I'd like for us just to see a clip of, um, from Mel Gibson's, you know, the movie The Passion, which was like two and a half hours of crucifixion. But there is at the end just one brief scene. And I'd like for us to pick that up today if we can. Guinness uh, Book of World Records, the most successful attorney in the world, a man named Lionel Luck, who uh, succeeded in getting his 245th consecutive murder acquittal on January the 1st, 1985. And so um, during his own spiritual journey, Luck, who did, um, he took this expertise in law and went through the question of whether the resurrection of Jesus Christ stands up to the test of legal evidence. And this is his ultimate conclusion. He said, I say unequivocally that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof, which leaves no room for doubt. Um, apart from the resurrection, I'm, I'm convinced Christianity has no power to change a life. The fact that, that lives have been changed is a testimony to the truth that Christ did rise from the dead. Even Kenneth Woodward, the... Uh, um, Journalists said, even by secular standards, Jesus is the dominant figure of Western culture. And uh, I like the statement Jerry Bridges makes, that a belief is something you hold, but a conviction is something that holds you. And for Peter, there came a moment when he realized that Jesus really was raised from the dead. Was it when he walked into the empty tomb? Was it when Jesus, uh, in, in verses 19 and 20, walks in among the disciples? We don't exactly know. What's interesting is, though, that he still remains silent after that. It's unlike Peter not to speak up, not to say anything when Jesus shows up. But I, I love about the resurrection that it resolves not only our doubts, but it relieves our grief. And Luke twenty-two sixty-two again says that Peter wept bitterly when he knew that Jesus Christ um, had, been, had been crucified and he was standing there alone. Mary Magdalene cries, everybody's in sorrow. And what I want you to see is that... The only answer for our grief and the loss of somebody we love is the, is the promise of resurrection. I've been to services 
um, and other um, religious groups where there's not any mention of resurrection. And they'll say, well, you know, uh, your loved one. I remember one of the saddest funerals I've ever been to was for a little girl uh, in our community here who passed away. She was like nine years old. And um, she passed away unexpectedly. And here are all these children and all these people. And I went to a church that I'd never been before or, or a religious organization I'd never been in before. And the person said, when you want to think of this little girl, look up at a star. She's like a star up in the sky. Uh, and and they, you know, it was you know, very intellectual readings and, and uh, uh, the, the hymns, some of the same tunes we know, but they changed the words to take out any reference to God, any reference. And at the end of it, I thought, is that it? I mean, here's, here's this group of, you know, third grade kids who are grieving the loss of their friend. Here's a, a father and mother who've lost their eldest daughter. And all that's being offered to them is when you look up in the sky at night, and see a star. That's that's your daughter up there. In the, and I'm thinking, wow, I am so grateful that New Testament and the Christi- the New Testament and Christianity don't leave us without a witness about what happens and what the promise of eternal life is. I say that because uh, every day in the United States alone, 140,000 uh, people die, and uh, and beneath every heart of those loved ones is um, uh, is a bucket of tears. C.S. Lewis's celebrated marriage to Joy Davidman has been chronicled in a popular play and then in a movie titled Shadowland. Um, and Lewis spoke about the pain of her loss. In fact, he wrote a, a book about it. And um, he said, her absence is like the sky. It spreads over everything. If you've lost somebody you love, you know what that's like. You know how that feels. Uh, in our worst moments, we're tempted like the disciples to despair. Um, we wonder if we'll ever see our loved ones again. And notice in John 20, verse 20, the disciples were overjoyed to see the Lord. When they saw him, they realized he is one. He's overcome death, hell, and the grave. And uh, if that's true, then we can say with the Apostle Paul, Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O grave, is your victory? Resurrection resurrects our faith in a risen Lord. That's why Jürgen Moltmann wrote, God weeps with us so that we may someday laugh with him. Or as Psalm 30 says, we're doing these uh, devotionals in the Psalms and You'll come to this one in a couple days. Uh, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's the experience of the disciples. That's Peter's experience. He thinks Jesus is gone and Jesus is alive. My friend Calvin Miller writes about a child who said uh, that Jesus' first words upon stepping out of the empty tomb were, ta-da, <laughs> uh, just a, a great explanation. The resurrection is the grand ta-da. Uh, Jesus did what he said he could do. And the resurrection of Christ not only helps us with our, our doubt and with our grief, but I also think it removes our guilt. And um, maybe you've noticed that guilt and grief have a way of slowing down the clock. And I suspect Saturday before the resurrection was the longest day of Peter's life. I mean, he's got the most to lose. I mean, Jesus has been uh, crucified, and Jesus said he was going to um, deny him, and he does. And I don't know if you've ever uh, lost somebody that you love without getting to say to them what you wanted to say before they died. But I have found through the years that guilt will complicate your grief enormously. And uh, I've had a hard time imagining anybody more competitive than Peter. But here is uh, John outrunning Peter to the tomb. Now, here's the question. How did John outrun Peter? Well, we we know uh, probably from the scriptures just by surmising some things that John was probably a little bit younger uh, than Peter. That's certainly uh, what uh, history recounts. But somebody has said when the heart is right, the feet are swift. And it makes you wonder... Did Peter want to be the first one there if Jesus was standing there? Did he want to get there first? And his silence in the days that follow, uh, not speaking up, we have no recorded sayings from him until that moment 
when, um, when Jesus appears on the seashore. Uh, Joe Lamusio um, wrote a book called If I Should Die Before I Live. And he asked the question, he said, if, if I were to ask you to describe the resurrection uh, and the truth of Easter without using any words, and you can only use punctuation marks, what would it be for you? Would it be um, like a comma? Uh, makes you stop and pause and think and listen. Uh, but that's about it. Or maybe um, Easter is, is a downer. It's a big, bold period. You thought you'd feel excited, but instead it, it somehow feels empty. Um, maybe it's a question mark. Is this really true? Well, the best news is for, for Peter, ultimately, it becomes an exclamation point, a, a reality that Jesus Christ is raised. And in verses 15 and 19, Jesus asks him some very painful questions. Notice how many times Jesus asks him, do you love me? Well, one for every time he denied Jesus three times. And um, Jesus is giving Peter a second chance. And as Peter affirms his love, Jesus says, good, because I've got something for you to do. I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to tend my sheep. I want you to take care of my sheep. And Jesus is showing him he's not finished with him yet. The good news is that if Jesus could defeat death, then he can resolve our doubts. He can relieve our grief. He can restore us to service. This amounts to a recall for Peter, a man who, who you could say, based upon his performance, does, does not deserve the right to start over again. But God says, I'm not finished with you yet. Uh, Johnny Hart's B.C. comic strip back in 1994 shows one of those, uh, you know, uh, Stone Age characters walking along, sighing when he hears a cock crow, and then he falls into a hole filled with water. But as he drags himself out, he passes by a cave with a stone that's been rolled away. And he walks in, and as he emerges in the last uh, scene of the comic strip, he says, yes. That's the message of the resurrection. The stone rolls away. Jesus says, ta-da, the rocks move, and all we stones can say is, yes, thank you.